to Adaptivist Live, the Atlassian Ecosystem Podcast. Today, we've got some news from Atlassian, from Atlassian Ecosystem Partners, ALM Works, and some cool stuff from us at Adaptivist. I'm Ryan Spilkin, and I'm joined today by Brenda Burl and Matthew Stubblefield. Hello. Good to see you both. Hi. Good to see you, Ryan. Sorry, I don't have any superlatives to introduce you with today, but it has been a week. So, first things first, guys. Jira Service Desk for the Cloud. A little bit of a snafu. Yeah. Speaking of having a week, uh, <laughs> this could not have been a fun one for Atlassian. No. And a report in the register exposes that there was a security glitch discovered in Jira Service Desk for the cloud. And um, so if you are a Jira Service Desk cloud administrator, we hope that you have found this. It turns out that there was a glitch that sent out some, maybe some usernames and passwords. But but to be fair, like this is a, it seems like a fairly small scope bug. So what it was sending was, if I understand correctly, Ryan, the the password for your your mail server, you know, so you're you're connected to a mail server, and it wasn't sending it. It's not like this password was emailed, you know, to Joe Schmo at hotmail.com. Uh, it it just attempted to use that username and password to authenticate against a mail server that wasn't yours, somebody else's mail server. So potentially if they captured that in the logs, you know, it was exposed, but it, it seems like a fairly small risk. It was also um, a small number of service desk users uh, fully diagnosed and fixed within a week of the discovery. So the last thing does recommend uh, change your, I guess this would be effectively your SMTP server credentials, which hopefully you are following best practice and not just using your own credentials that you also use for everything else should be a unique account, unique password. Um, but yeah, go out and go out and change that. Uh, if you haven't changed it in the last year, even if you're not affected by this bug, probably a good idea. Just, just change up accounts regularly. Uh, you know, most personal user accounts we do every 90, 180 days, but even your server, your machine accounts, it's still good to go through every once in a while and change those up. You know, Brenda taught me something. Brenda taught me that passwords are like toothbrushes. Change them often and practice good hygiene. Change them frequently and, and, and don't share them with anybody else. It's mm -hmm. uh, good advice. I, I do remember the good old days when I had to use phrases like that on a fairly regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> I, I heard an alternative to that recently, which is a bit more crass, but I enjoyed even more, which was passwords are like your underwear change it frequently, don't share it with others, and don't leave it on your desk. <laughs> and here I am looking at a sticky note with so many passwords. I'm just kidding. That's not real. Um, I don't have um, that. <laughs> on that note, um, so I've been, been doing a lot of journaling and things lately, and I've started to see popping up these little journals you can buy that are like lists of all your internet passwords. And uh -huh. I just every time I see them, I just want to go, like, please don't sell this. This is a <laughs> terrible idea. Don't buy it. Don't sell it. Don't. Just don't. Like, 
It is horrifying. It is so, I saw one of those at a big box retailer the other day, and I just couldn't help but laugh in the middle of the store. Like, what is this? <laughs> Wanted to I wish laughing, that. laughing was not my reaction, but uh, mine weeping. was more just weeping, staring in abject horror that this is a thing. I kind of wish that LastPass sold something similar and it just had a single piece of paper in it with giant bold, don't. <laughs> if I, think, from- I think that's a great new product idea. Mm-hmm. That is mm-hmm. that is the best. Actually, that is a wonderful promo item. Could be some swag. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right. So moving on, some updates to Atlassian Cloud in the last week. Now, when you delete a user from Jira Service Desk Cloud, they are irreversibly gone. You could you could delete a user, delete their account. And even if you built that account again and tied it with the same email, it would not be the same user account. This is in compliance with GDPR and just better security all around. For our listeners who may be unfamiliar with the acronym, uh, Brenda, what can you tell us about GDPR? So the, uh, the GDPR or General Data Protection Regulation is legislation passed in the EU recently that basically allows you the right to be forgotten. So essentially, you can put in a request with any entity that stores data and say, please completely delete my data as if I never existed. Um, so what Atlassian has done here with um, you know, permanently deleting user accounts is essentially permanently deleting that, that data, even if you try to reactivate with the same email account, you're going to get a brand new account. Uh, So that is just in compliance with um, GDPR regulations. It's worth noting that the right to be forgotten on the internet is only applicable to our European listeners. Uh, Americans, Mark Zuckerberg knows where you live. Uh, Many American companies do business in EU countries. And so a lot of American websites have as as well been putting in information to be compliant with GDPR, updating their terms of service. Uh, Back in about, I think it was May, I remember receiving approximately 7,000 emails and it was all, we've updated our terms of service and blah, 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 and what this means for you. And most people just didn't read most of them. Um, But it was essentially saying that they're being compliant with this EU legislation. They do business in the EU. They are, um, you know, it's statements like we're going to be storing cookies on your, on your machine, that sort of thing. Um, so there, that is, it has affected users in non-EU countries because um, many organizations are global now, but um, that doesn't mean that as an American, I can just go out and go, Hey, delete all my data because I'm not in an EU country. Some other cool changes to cloud would include Confluence's new feature where all collaborators who work on a page get credited as a page author. For those long-suffering editors who get to see the person who just built the page tree owning the page and saying it was written by so-and-so, you get your due now. If only my friends who write academic papers could have the same functionality. They just need to write their papers in Confluence. In Confluence. I think that's really cool uh, because, you know, I'm, I'm working on some collaborative stuff with an adaptivist and it's, you know, well, you know, this was created by this person, edited by that person, but maybe there were other people involved that I could speak to if I had questions, that sort of thing. Um, so, I mean, yeah, you can see who's collaborated on a space um, pretty easily, but now that you'd be able to see everybody that's contributed to a page, uh, I think that's pretty cool because then you know everybody that's involved. Yeah, and it's a bit easier to get to than looking at the version history for the page. Moving on from the cloud to the server, Confluence 6.11 just released, and the big feature here, the big news here to me, is the compatibility 
with editing any type of external file directly from Confluence. This makes a major thing because formerly you could theoretically edit a, a Microsoft Office document directly out of Confluence. But let's be frank, that was buggy AF, fam. So um, now they are, are advertising that, hey, Photoshop file, throw it up in Confluence. Edit it. Send it back to Confluence. Any kind of file, Photoshop, Keynote, anything. And that makes a big, big leap for Confluence as far as being able to operate as a real asset library. Yeah, it's that, that Docker repository sort of approach. It'll be interesting to see how it actually performs uh, because notably this, this version of Confluence just came out two days ago uh, from the time we we're recording this podcast. And uh, I haven't used it yet um, to, to test and see if it's, if it actually works because the, the Microsoft connector functionality has been around forever and been kind of hit or miss. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it didn't. It usually wasn't worth the trouble. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not too bothered by going to attachments and downloading, changing it, uploading, but if this works and if it works quickly, cause that was one of the challenges with the Microsoft connector in the past is it was just super slow. Um, if this, if this is a, you know, the same speed of download and upload in, in that, that sync, as it is when you do it manually, that'll be a, a, a nice uh, quality of life improvement. And of course, I will point out, um, it does require compatible applications or software to be installed on your machine. Yeah. So you can't open a Photoshop file if you don't have Photoshop. Not only that, but you have to install an application from Atlassian onto your local desktop. And Atlassian points out that this application is just an executable. Uh, so it begs the question, how does this work on OS X? Do they have a DMG file? Uh, the documentation here doesn't say. And second, there's not a way to distribute this to your fleet of computers. So if you are a fleet manager, which means that you work at a, a large company where you uh, distribute software remotely to all of the computers in your company, there's not a way to distribute this at this time. Your local users would have to download it and install it. And of course, if they don't have admin access locally, that's a non-starter. So there is a uh, feature request open with Atlassian to uh, uh, get a deployable uh, version created. Uh, so we will we'll link that in the SoundCloud notes. If this is of interest to you, go vote for that, and it'll help encourage Atlassian to make it. Another bit of news from Atlassian updates, Bitbucket Server 5.13, Lucky 13, here we go. Updating the support for Git protocol to from version 1 to version 2, which, though I don't fully understand all of the language, it does seem to me that this update will be far more efficient on your system's uh, processes. It's definitely twice the number Accurate. of versions. <laughs> <laughs> they do say two is better than one. One is the loneliest number, really. One is the loneliest number. Um Note that Bitbucket server is going to use protocol two if the Git client requests it. Um, so Git 2.18.0 protocol one is still the default. Um, so if you want to use protocol two, uh, you will have to change a configuration setting. Another feature to look forward to that has existed for ages in almost every other bit of software is labeling. You can now label a repository in Bitbucket. I wonder if they're going to have some of the same issues that Jira labels have. Hopefully not. Um, I'll note that there's a maximum of five unique labels per repo, um, but this is going to be hopefully useful when, when multiple teams or different projects are using um, Bitbucket 
maybe um, hopefully labeling that will help make it easier to find the repo that you're looking for. Um, so yeah, you now have the opportunity to add labels. There's a um, label component underneath the README uh, that allows you to add that label on that repo page. It'll be interesting to see what Atlassian does with this in terms of Jira integration, uh, because we talked about in the last podcast uh, some of the the search capabilities coming into Jira in terms of searching for Bitbucket repos, or or specifically, um, I think you could search for things like where there's an open pull request. Mm -hmm. um, just be able to find those things. And so if we can construct a search term that's looking for repos with particular labels, that's that's an interesting bit of um, sort of uh, labels are often referred to as it's a, an arbitrary search term, something you could just enter kind of autonomously. Being able to you know pop some labels onto some different repos and build a filter in Jira uh, could be potentially very interesting. Well, I think I when I read initially read that that was uh, a thing, I was thinking it might have been along that same vision, going for mm -hmm. centralization of the the search process. But why not? I mean, why la labels? To me, when I think of Atlassian and labels, I think of a free text field that turns into a label. So you have variation. Capitalization matters, right? Uh, and so why not make that a component esque? ish thing where it's a locked down label. Uh, I don't know. Just my thinking on it. More complex to implement. Yeah. I was just searching real quick. I thought that uh, case sensitivity and labels in Jira was addressed recently. You might, you're probably right. Uh, as of, yeah, we talked about it on the podcast. We did. Um, we did. I remember it now. Yep. One June, 2018 labels are now case insensitive. Oh, but that doesn't change the fact that people can still fat finger, uh, spelling. And they say, yeah, they can label. yeah, it's, there's yeah, still, totally. I mean, the, the value for labels is in that arbitrary capability and where the end user can apply a label. What, what I, this is what I find weird about the limit of five for the repo if you have six users who want to each have a different label, too bad. That is one um, too many. Yeah. And in an old version of Confluence, you actually could create personal labels. So you could have a label that was uh, prefaced by, I think it was your username or, or something like that. And those were labels just for you, not anybody else, uh, which was later removed. It was a feature that was deprecated because you could have infinite labels. So it didn't really matter. Uh, but in Bitbucket, you can't. You can't do personal labels, and you only have five max. So I'd be curious to see how users respond to this. I'm sure Atlassian you know, will continue getting feedback and interviews, and, and it'll be interesting to see the direction it goes. Um, so that's, there's been a lot of you know, big news from Atlassian, but uh, today we're very pleased to be able to share that Adaptivist has some cool news as well. Yeah, so in HipChat earlier this week, uh, popped up. We've got ScriptRunner for Confluence version 5.4.17 which does not sound like the most exciting version number. What are you talking <laughs> about? It's 17 is a prime it. number. Uh, yeah, well, you got me there. Um, what this does is uh, for, for confluence allows lazy fetching of spaces. And uh, the term lazy here doesn't mean that the, the add on is just slacking and doing it really slowly. I am. It has to do, if I understand it correctly with, uh, sort of the synchronicity of that load and how that processing is happening in the background. So if you're if you're not doing a lazy uh, process or, or search for this type of thing, uh, sometimes things get really slow as uh, the computer's trying to process through everything linearly. 
by adding this lazy uh, fetching to script under for confluence, it really speeds up how it works. But where you see it is mostly in huge instances. And we, we had a, a client with an extremely large confluence. We've got several of those who are using script runner and some of the features um, were, were causing some challenges by moving this to a lazy fetching. It, it helps address that. And what's particularly exciting about this is that lazy space fetching and uh, just this approach in general uh, sets us up to implement similar functionality throughout our portfolio. It's going to be really helpful for cloud apps. And uh, so it's, it's something we celebrated internally. We don't, we don't have a blog post on it that we can link, yeah. uh, but it is in the release notes in the marketplace. So um, you, can, you can see the JIRA tickets where people had to request the features, and then we built the features. And it's just kind of a, a, a cool bit of tech. And speaking of other releases from Adaptivist, we also have some big news as far as our test management for Jira program. Test management for Jira has been tearing up the community with its extremely friendly user interface, tight Jira integration, and basically just ease of use and clarity. But the newer version has been really knocking people's socks off. Matthew, why do you think that is? Well, we, we had a, a show and tell on Friday, which is just sort of a, an internal ritual we do every week. Uh, different groups within Adaptivist get together over web conference and show something off. And, and this last week was the test management for Jira or TM4J team, uh, just showing off some of the new features. And they've made some significant improvements in the interface, renamed a few things, and added some new functionality that I feel just makes TM4J... Uh, just easier to use in different scenarios. Like, I don't know if you'd call that more modular or more variable or, or what, um, but just really easy to, to fit into your workflow instead of, a, instead of a team having to change how they work. We were already getting a lot of positive feedback from customers that, that they were able to use it how they want it. But I feel like we just took it a step further, um, particularly with the um, test data mapping and uh, variable placeholders where you can sort of build these variables into your test and then plug in things like usernames and passwords and browsers and OS versions and all these different things and have those variables put in. So you're not having to create a million different test cases. You just create one and then you put some variables in and you just run it for each set of variables. Uh, And that's just a little bit easier to do. Um, So yeah, just a lot of really neat improvements. I mean, as as a non-developer, I'm still really interested in data-driven everything. I think that's the best way to, to do a lot of work. It's, you know, we can go with our gut and we've got experience in the business. And so that's helpful, but you've got to respect the data and it's, you've got to have that to validate, you know, your assumptions and uh, TM4J is just making that easier and easier. Yeah. I think the time savings is, is going to be huge for a number of our clients, just, you know, being able to, to feed those variables in and then not have to worry about duplicating test cases over and over and over and over again. Not only is it going to save time in creating them, but it's going to save um, time in looking for test cases. They're reusable. You go back and you go, I had this test case for the last release we did and we want to reuse it. Um, it, it it's going to, it's just going to make things cleaner all around. So tm for j is a great tool and it's, it's been a great tool from the, first time I used it, I was pretty much in love with it. Um, but it is, this is just, this is a great update because it's going to save so many people so much time and then eventually aggravation in, in finding these test cases. So I think it's a, it's a really great update. Also allowing your testers 
more freedom to do exploratory and user experience work instead of the routine. Uh, just a tremendous way to expose things that you didn't know about in your product and make it better. Improve your feedback loop. Data-driven testing. All right. And outside of Adaptivist, Ryan, you found this blog post from ALMWorks that uh, actually just came out today, uh, the 16th that we're recording this podcast, about their Structure product and Structure Gantt. Yeah, we are big big fans of ALMWorks. They're, they're great guys and they make a great product. Um, and they just put out Structure 5.0, which not only has added some improvements to their flagship product, but has really upped the usability. Um, it makes it to where visibility within one of your structures is far more achievable through the horizontal scrolling. And then you're also able to see work logged by not just by uh, Jira users, but specifically by roles or groups. And you can also make manual adjustments to structures. So if you've used structure before, you know that, that once you generated a structure, you couldn't go in and like, there, there were two ways to make a structure. You can make a manually generated one, or you can have an auto generated one. If you do it, did an auto generated one, you couldn't go in there and futz with it. You had to mess with the settings and hope it did what you wanted. Now, that is not the case. So this is a, a pretty nice upgrade for users of, of ALMWorks uh, Structure product. And as far as Gantt charts go, Structure Gantt may be, may be one of the better ones on the marketplace. And now they've allowed you, they've built it in so that you can use the, your, their Gantt charts on your dashboards and conveniently export to PDF and SVG. Great job, ALMWorks. The last thing that we want to talk about today on our podcast is an article that I think each of us approached a little bit differently, which sort of leads into what that article is about. Um, on the Atlassian blog, they posted a, an article that is 18 non-corny teamwork quotes you'll actually like. And um, it's it's one that, that I, I read it very seriously. And I think perhaps Matthew and Ryan had a little bit different perspective on this particular article. Um, but it is about, um, you know, we, we have this idea of teamwork is, is magic and wonderful and everything is going to be perfect and it's amazing. And the reality is it, it's amazing, but it's hard. It's, it's people. People are, sometimes we're difficult. We have down days. We didn't get enough sleep. We're cranky. I, we got an offender bender on the way to work. Things happen in people's lives that can sort of detract from that, oh, team, rah, rah, rah feeling. Um, and it's it's interesting to see Atlassian writing about this from the perspective of, you know, teamwork's great, but people can get jaded. You know, we, we picture this, this perfect team, you've been promised this amazing group to work with, and you end up with actual people and feel a little bit disappointed, maybe. So, so there's some good quotes in here. I mean, anytime you get a, an article with 18 quotes, you can go, eh, this is just kind of some clickbait or whatever. But there are a few quotes in there that, that really did stand out to me. And it's one of them, Isaac Newton, if I have seen further, it's by standing on the shoulders of giants. Um, there was another one in here, which was, um, we rise by lifting others by Robert Ingersoll. These are really important when you think about it. You know, even when you're operating on a team, it's really easy to focus on, I am awesome. I am just the best. And me personally, as a team lead, I have, um, I have three direct reports. I have an absolutely amazing team and we get 
amazing work done. We do really cool things and we have fun doing it, but we're people and we have our off days and our cranky days and our happy days. I mean, we're, we're people and we understand that. Um, but my team is part of what makes me look good as a team lead. You know, I'm awesome. I'll admit that I, I will not shy away from what a great team lead I am, but I'm a great team lead because I have an absolutely phenomenal team. Those are the giants whose shoulders I'm standing on. Um, and so I, you know, I try to take every opportunity that I can to lift others up, to make others look good. Um, these are things that are really important because it's easy to get bogged down in the me, me, me part of being a team. Um, so I, I actually, I, I felt like this was a fairly important article, you know, take a, a few minutes to read through and think about some of these quotes and, and maybe it's helpful and maybe you kind of laugh it off, but, um, you know, it's, it's always really easy to just talk about, oh, teams are amazing and then sort of just leave the conversation at that. But I, I do really like that at least someone was thinking about teams are hard. It's hard. It's really hard. And, you know, whether quotes are motivational or not, it's good to be thinking about these things when you're in a team environment, because maybe it helps you work together a little better. You know, even if all it does is remind you to take a step back because, you know, your cranky teammate may have a really good reason for being cranky. I find it interesting that the Albert Hubbard quote is one that has been around for a long time. And it's so true then, and it's even still true today. The world is moving so fast these days that the man who says it can't be done is generally interrupted by someone doing it. <laughs> right, yeah. That's uh, Elon Musk in a nutshell, right? Minus the, or, minus know, the maybe that too. Titanic um, ego. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I think there is value in taking some of these and meditating on them. I think the, the biggest value is in that meditation thing about our place on the team. Um, one of the things that I've been having a conversation about with a number of people lately is the value of conflict in the team. And a lot of people are very conflict adverse, uh, or they have a very negative definition of conflict of like, oh, it's, it's, that's bad. If there's conflict, that means that somebody's wrong and somebody's right, or somebody's winning and somebody's losing, or, uh, um, somebody doesn't like the other person. And uh, that's not necessarily true. You know, conflict is how we grow and it's important to reflect on that. Uh, there's only one quote out of these 18 that kind of gets that of by Abraham Lincoln. I don't like that man. I must get to know him better, which, which gets that direction. But like I, I part of why I did not approach this article as positively is because uh, I've just seen so many people who get trapped into pithy statements uh, that they, they, they lose the nuance. And when the, the pithy statement doesn't solve the conflict or doesn't solve the challenge in front of them, or doesn't actually address the reality of the situation, they, they kind of run out of steam real quickly. Um, it's, it's the same thing with, you know, the, the teamwork posters that go on the wall, we point at them and like, that's how we're supposed to work. And it's like, that's like one thing out of 1 million that we're supposed to be doing like that in and of itself. So like <laughs> if this is part of your overall uh, patchwork quilt of understanding teamwork, good. Uh, just don't go too far. Like, you know, yes, stand on the shoulders of giants, not on the shoulders of quotes on colored backgrounds. Yeah, why is that guy jumping up and pumping his fists anyway? That's what I want to know. The 90s were an interesting time. I would add that the Sun Tzu quote from this, this article is fantastic when it comes to conflict. Because in the midst of chaos, there is also yes. opportunity. In the midst of order, there's also opportunity. Like, 
what is the, what is this quote? It's just say like in the midst of the world, there is oxygen. Isn't that profound? Yeah. Like, I mean, mm. the, the history of Sun Tzu, you know, why he was writing. It's like, well, mm, let's find somebody who really loves pithy quotes and he will pay for all the things. Much, much respect, Sun Tzu. It's just this quote in and of itself. I've seen so many managers and so many executives who latch onto these things and try to build their management approach around pithy sayings, and it's not enough. It's not enough. So if this is if this is part of the input, great. Um, just just go go a bit deeper, which like I feel like we shouldn't even have to say. And yet there I've just encountered so many people where this is as far as they go. You know, they read a self-help book and they read some quotes and it stops there. I thought my successories posters were all I needed in life. I mean, they, they claim that's all you need. All you need is believe in yourself, Ryan. I believe. And also to be really good at things and to have persistence and to have everything, really good. Everything I learned in life. I learned from kindergarten. Not really. Well, that's it for this episode of Adaptivist Live. We thank you for listening. We always appreciate you. If you have a suggestion for the podcast, you want to be a guest, you have some pithy quotes to share with us, email us at learn at adaptivist.com. We want to hear from you. For Matthew Stubblefield and Brenda Burrell, I'm Ryan Spilkin, and I'll leave you with this. Find a group of people who challenge and inspire you. Spend a lot of time with them, and it'll change your life forever. That's how I feel about these two. See you next time on Adaptivist Live. The hidden meaning transforms the abstract beauty, uh, which doesn't really make sense.